The following episode of Epic Fail is brought to you by Spoke, a new free listening app from Sirius XM. The following is an at-will presentation. You, you want to hear my story about my epic fuck-up? I really do. All right, here it goes. When I first started on Broadway... I shot. <laughs> and that time, I did get a black eye. He starts shaking, but one by one, the cast has to turn towards me. And my character yells straight in a circle. And I got the part. Hey everyone, we're back for another episode of Epic Fail, the podcast where we hear stories from performers about the time they failed on stage, on screen, and on set. This week we get to hear hilarious stories about audience mishaps where the ticket holders are the entertainment. Joining me this week, movie and theater actor Phil Ettinger, star of the TV show Full House, John Stamos. Tony Award winner and starring in the upcoming revival of Carousel, Jesse Mueller. Star of the HBO series The Sopranos, Jamie Lynn Sigler. From the Blue Man Group, Greg Bala. From the Broadway play Significant Other, Gideon Glick. From the new movie The Greatest Showman, Kayala Settle. Star of the ABC comedy Ugly Betty and currently starring in the play Torch Song, Michael Yuri. First up this week is Phil Ettinger's hysterical story with an even funnier twist. In one show, I was like doing a scene, and in the scene, these old couple right in the front row, and they had their like listening devices in their ear, and so they kept talking to each other. And at one point, I'm like in between the scene with my scene partner, and I just hear like, "He's so awkward, <laughs> so awkward." <laughs> and, like as I'm doing the scene, and I like I'm like Jesus, and I and I keep doing it, and then later on, like the main girl on the show, she starts doing her stuff, and like the w- old woman yells out like disgusting <laughs> she's so disgusting <laughs> and was she referring uh, to the characters or the actors? well I don't know it was like so and kind of it, terrible it was yeah yeah and then um <laughs> and I actually and I was kind of annoyed and they kept like making noises and then at one point the same woman was like ay yeah 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 like she went on that no. long so I went and I was like if I see them I like I like I came back stage and I like told the rest of the cast I'm like I swear to god if I see, if I see those guys I'm gonna like give them a piece of my mind like they like were so distracting <laughs> like did you like, see them so I I like we left and I saw them and I'm like hold on guys like I'm gonna like I just gotta like say like hey we just so you know we could like hear you and it was really distracting and like it was hard to get through the show and I like <laughs> walked up to them and the guy just looks at me he actually like I'm like as I'm wa- approaching him he sees me and he like, grabs me uh, on my arm, and he's like, "How dare you be so wonderful?" <gasps> <laughs> and like, it threw me off so oh, much. I like, sad. no, yeah, it was. You were about to go be an asshole. Yeah, so I was gonna be an asshole, and then he like was like so nice. And you're like, well, thank you. I, I just like short circuited, and, and I was like, thanks, and I like. <laughs> you're like, watch this, away. you guys. Audience participation can be a key part of a live performance, but it does not always go so smoothly. Like in this epic fail from John Stamos. I remember in Cabaret, this is a funny story, there's a part in, the, in the, the beginning of the second act where the MC comes out and he's talking to the audience and he grabs a girl and pulls her on stage and dances and then he goes back out and then he grabs a guy, pulls him on stage and dances and grabs his ass. And, <laughs> and I was having problems getting the men to come up on stage and they would stop or they would, you know, grab their hand and they'd pull your hand away. 
And I told the assistant director, and he said, don't, they said, don't look him in the eye. Just say, and now I'm going to find something to dance. Grab his hand, turn your head, and pull. Mm-hmm. I did that one night. I'm not making this up. And I grabbed the guy, and I'm pulling, and he won't get up. I'm pulling harder because, you know, taking the note and pulling harder. And the guy yanks me down to whisper in my ear. He says, I have no legs. <gasps> <laughs> and sure enough, that, I mean, he had these, a metal thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? And I said, well, that's all right. We'll dance right here. And I sort of hugged him and danced in the chair. And he, you know, made whatever. And he was so grateful afterwards for that. But I'm like, you know. <laughs> all right. Oh, no. That... <laughs> I think that's <laughs> That's always tough, too, when you're in the, doing live shows and people want to yell and talk. Have you ever had that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had, um, I've had audience members who have yelled, like, bad things. They've, I've had audience members in, like, pure silence like sneeze fart <laughs> that was my favorite we were all on, we were all on stage for spring awakening and leah and groff were on the swing you know on the top of the swing in spring awakening and we're all sitting around them and it's like the very silent moment before they have sex for the first time and it's pure it's in sheer silence and all of a sudden it's she's like knock you are <laughs> And we were all, yes, we all like shoulder shaking. Everybody is just like holding, crying, tearing. It was really, really bad because it's like six 18 year olds sitting across from each other in pure silence. It was horrible. (laughs) Next, Broadway veteran Jesse Mueller shares some advice for all the people who sit in the front row. The other day, we had one lady in the front row. Who I noticed, we were talking about this song called A Soft Place to Land, and it's very dreamy. (laughs) So I look, I don't normally look in the audience because I find it distracting and like, but every once in a while I'll try to check in. And there's this one lady down (laughs) left in the center. I thought she was so moved. (laughs) She was, her eyes were closed and she was looking up, but it looked like she was looking in the direction of the action on stage. Well, sure enough, about three scenes later, (laughs) she still got her eyes closed. And I was like, am I a terrible person? Is she blind? Is she, you know, am I judging this woman? No. I think she was just really, really drunk, but she was trying real hard to stay awake. And her friend next to her, her friend was enjoying it. I mean, she was with it. She was like laughing and clapping. And this lady, the whole show just, and kind of like a half smile on her face. Like she wasn't conked out. Like some people, everyone smiles. Especially, yeah. why is it the people in the front row? It's like you pay, don't you pay a lot of money to sit in the front row? I think so, yeah. And don't you realize that the actors can like, see you? We can see you. Sorry, spoiler alert, we can see you. We can no, see you. No, some people are just like, you know, ear to shoulder, like conked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was, um, <laughs> she was asleep like the whole show. <laughs> and then we get to the bows and then she's just like one elbow leaning on the stage. Like, <laughs> on the stage? Oh my God, that was great. <laughs> I was like, honey, you didn't see it. Josh Sharp has experienced audiences of all shapes and sizes. Some big, some small, and in this instance, extra small. This is a terrible circumstances, but we owned it, which was I'll tour sometimes, doing improv tours. We would do a bunch of these shows at little schools, you know? Okay, sure. And the problem with these kind of things is sometimes, um, you know, like a tour gets booked and it's through the, like, Upright Citizens Brigade corporate thing, but sometimes no adult touches the deal. Like, like some student acquires funds and then they reach out to UCB and they like, you know, they manage to like get it to come to your school. And then some other student who runs the comedy group, like runs the, you know, like it's all children and there's not an actual adult oversight. 
So, I mean, sometimes you show up to these events and it's like, whoa, this was poorly planned. We d- we did one in a hamburger shop in front of a TV that was on. You know what I no. mean? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, just terrible. And you just sort of do it and who cares? But this one, we went to the school and right away we were like, this is bad because it was on a Tuesday at 10 p.m. Normally they do it on the weekend and earlier at a school that was maybe like 2,000 kids and in their biggest room that was like 600 people. And we didn't see a single poster either because you show up early and you're like scoping it out. And we're like, this doesn't seem like it was promoted. But we talked to this one kid who was like um, the comedy liaison or, or contact or whatever. And there's things in the rider, just like basic things of like have dinner for us because we've driven here or whatever. And no clue of any of this stuff. So he was like, there's a vending machine. So we like ate potato chips for dinner, right? <laughs> so then we're sitting there and he comes in back. We're just like in this back room waiting. And this kid comes in back and is like, hey, the crowd's sort of light. And we were like, no worries. We've done like shows for light crowds before. It's no biggie. And he was like, yeah, there's four people now, but my roommate's on his way. <laughs> And we were like, dude, call off the roommate. The difference between four and five in a 600-seat theater, not, you know, we're not going to feel We're not going to feel it. To you, it's 25%. To us, it's like, it, you know, this right. is negligible. So then we go out and we start. And the four people, no one is sitting together. They do not know each other. It's four single people who came alone. And they're spread around this theater. A 600-seat thing. And we're like, hey, do you guys want to come down to the front? And this girl in the back was like, no, I don't want to be made fun of. And we were like, we were like, we don't do that. This is like, we're going to do like an improv show for this one. It's like, we won't make fun of anybody. And then this one girl in the front went, oh, I wanted to be made fun of. We were like, four people, we already can't do a show that will please all four of you. Like, no matter what happens. We will fail. Someone is going to be dissatisfied. There's, like, at best, three humans like this show. <laughs> But then that was the case, that I think in part because it was improv and you could sort of like the whole like joy and bane of improv is like you could do it in a wall, in a room to a wall all alone and not sure. really notice. Sure. That's why a lot of, you know, people get on that track and never break out. But we just like did the goofiest, most insane show for 45 minutes and like to silence. But we were having fun. And we're like, OK, goodbye. Give me my money. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> There was a group of Hasidic rabbis that left in late and fucking identical twins. And you've well, seen that show. What were they doing there? <laughs> you've the seen it, right? No, I haven't oh, seen it. Oh, I mean, it is truly foul. So, like, there is a disembodied vagina at, like, minute 12. And these people didn't walk until minute 28 when I kissed Aaron. <laughs> when we kissed, they're like, we've had enough of this. And it's like, really? We, like, spit on each other and thrown a vagina around the room. So this doesn't happen anymore. But as the story goes, the UCB space, which it, they moved, like, maybe 10 or 12 years ago to this new theater in Chelsea. But the space that it was in, I believe, used to be a strip club, and it was frequented by Hasids. And so they, they said that for the first, like, year that they were open, you would get a lot of, like, Hasidic men who would, like, sort of, like, like cautiously come down, confused, like, buy a ticket and then go in and, like, sit through it and then walk out, like, disappointed. Like, who weren't willing to be like, oh, it's not a strip club, I'm going to leave, would have to pretend, like, yeah, I'm here for this and try to figure out what was going on. And I can't imagine that still happens 10 years later. I think they were just confused. Jamie Lynn Sigler has been in the acting game since she was a kid and learned to deal with audience heckling from a very young age. I mean, I remember like growing up and like uh, doing community theater. Um, We would do sometimes randomly like weekday shows where I would get to miss school and it was awesome, but it would mainly be for nursing homes. (laughs) And you'd get a lot of like, I can't hear you. (laughs) 
speak up. And, you know, I'm like nine or ten years old trying to project. There's no microphone at this community theater. So I'm getting, like, screamed at in the middle of a performance. It was my first show ever with Sound of Music. And I remember a man, I played Marta. And I remember a man screaming at me, like, I can't hear that one. Speak up. And that I'm one. Like, I was so upset. I thought I was doing something wrong. Poor thing. <laughs> it's okay. It gives you a good backbone. I wanted to take a few moments to tell you about Spoke, a new listening app from SiriusXM and a partner of Epic Fail. Spoke is more than just a podcast app. It's a social audio platform. You can listen to podcasts, radio programs, documentaries, and more. Have you ever had a difficult time finding a podcast? Well, Spoke has a team of curators, real live humans, not robots, who help you discover your new favorite podcast or show by finding the best moments and highlights and organizing them into thematic playlists. For me, there are so many podcasts that I want to listen to, but it's so overwhelming to start listening to each of them because I have no idea what I'm going to like or what's good. So this is like a friend sharing their playlist with you, allowing you to listen to the best clips from each song. If you like what you hear, you can join the conversation and leave a voice comment. You can also share anything you find on the app with friends or on social media. That's right. Hit me on the gram. You can download Spoke from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Go to hearspoke.com slash atwill to support Epic Fail or your favorite shows on the Atwill Network. All right, guys. So if there's one thing that I don't want to fail at, it's taking care of my dog, Bear. Now, listen, I always feed him and I take care of him. But sometimes life happens and I forget to buy him new toys, new treats, things that keep things exciting. And when I get packages at home, he always thinks they're for him. But every once in a while, there is one that is for him. And it is called a Bark Box. Honestly, he is so happy with this box. It does the work for you. They find amazing toys from small local businesses that you would not otherwise be able to find. Honestly, there's amazing new treats. He is happy. I am happy. So for a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com epic when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan. You guys, scouts, honor. If your dog doesn't like it, if Bear doesn't like something, they will send you something that he does because it's all about the dog's happiness. It's all about Bear's happiness. BarkBox all the way. Next up, Blue Man Group performer Greg Bala tells us about the time an audience member helped turn an epic f*** up into an epic win. One of my favorites, one of my biggest epic fails was when I was, my, my parents, my family, my cousins, I had probably 15 people out there in the, in the audience. And, my, and my, I think my ex-girlfriend at the time was there. I mean, like everybody. And I'm playing one role, but I really wanted to play the drum bone, which is... If you remember those old Pentium commercials where the blue men would have that sliding tube where they'd be like, so that was what we call the drum bone, like a trombone, but a drum bone. So we're playing the sliding thing, and it wasn't my turn, it wasn't in my track, but I was like, I would, I'd like to play it today because I got, got some people, I got some people out there, maybe I could just, you know, and the guy's like, yeah, sure, man, no, no problem. So I get out there and I'm, I'm hitting the thing, and the pattern's very basic. It's like. And it kind of repeats. And I'm I'm up there, and then, you know, I'm playing the drum bone, and everything's looking good. And then, you know, the band kicks in. Crack! 
and I'm I'm rocking and I'm grooving and it's just at like the apex of the excitement and it's like bam 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 and the stick goes flying and I see it it was like slow motion like in front of my face and then crashes onto the stage and rolls and rolls and rolls and then lands in the front row <laughs> and the band's like and I'm up there with one stick in front of my family and my ex-girlfriend like eh, mm-hmm. okay I'm just gonna, I'm gonna finish this out Def Leppard style one handed drummer luckily however this little girl in the front row sees me and I look at her and she looks at me and I just kind of make a gesture with my hand, like, like give, come here, give, give it to me. And she throws it. <laughs> Miraculously, I caught it and finished it out just at the last, like, ba-da-ba-dum-bum-ba-bam. So this epic fail turned out to be one of these brilliant moments in performance where it went from, like, oh, yeah, I'm hot shit, I'm, I'm killing this, and then, like, oh, my God, I just screwed up. But then, and you could feel the energy just deflate out of the room. But then she chucks the stick back up. I caught it. It was like all happening in slow motion in my mind. And then, ba ba do ba 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 bam. And then, like, erupting in cheers. And... <laughs> but those are the moments, you know? Those they are the ones are. you look back. And I was like, man, that, that sucked, but it was awesome. In this next story from Gideon Glick, we hear about how unplanned audience mishaps can add a dose of humor to a performance. I remember during Significant Other, it was just me and Lindsay Mendez, and we we're alone on stage, and we we're talking. And I, 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 it's a very funny line, and it's a, it's a triple laugh. And there's this one guy in the audience whose laugh was really distinct, and like, and he was like a singular laugher. And then the audience laughed at his laugh, and then I laughed, and then the audience laughed that I was laughing, and then we just moved right back in. And it was actually, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And it, it, it almost felt like. It felt like we didn't break the scene. It was just understood. It was like, just like, yeah, it was. I I actually really liked it. Hmm. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I hope it doesn't happen again. No. But it was like one of those kind of like beautiful like Saturday Night Live moments right. where like we're all enjoying the break for a second. Payala Settle is an accident-prone person to begin with, and surprisingly, adding audience members to a performance does not help. Uh, the top of Act Two for Priscilla Queen of the Desert, we actually get off the stage and pull people on stage oh, to dance with us. Oh God! Did people like that or hate that? They loved it. They loved it and they danced. They and... actually loved it because you could. Yeah. After a while, you got a feel of like, well, don't you know, don't get the one that can't really move. You can see that I'm trying to not say any words I would offend anyone, but you I you just don't pick that person, right? And you move on. Now that being said. Once again, I've eaten it numerous times doing that as well because you try and dance with these people and they just ain't moving. They're all, we're so happy to be on a Broadway stage and they can't keep up and you trip over them and you, yes, eat it. I've done it. I've done it. Oh, Priscilla, I ate it so many times. I, that's really with all I do. With audience members. Yes, with audience members because they're just looking out going, I made it. And you're all, no, no, no. You Keep moving. Keep, keep moving. There's a reason why you're up here. Michael Yori has performed in everything from plays to TV shows, but nothing could have prepared him for what happened in this next story. I was in this show called The King's Stag, 
And in it, I played this character who would show up at the beginning of the play, and I would come in, I was sort of this clown, this sort of, you know, I was Italian, funny, funny little Italian guy, and I would come on at the beginning dragging a giant bird cage with a man-sized bird in it, mm-hmm. a guy in a bird bird suit. Oh, gosh. And I would be, I would drag it across the stage, and then I would see the audience, and I'd say, oh, hello, in this stupid <laughs> Italian accent, and I would give this whole, like, backstory about where you are and what you're doing here. And, and then I would say, oh, I forgot to tell you my name. I am Chicolate. And then I would go and say, what's your name? And I would start introducing myself to people in the audience. And that was the, that was all that was really in the script was, hello, how are you? How are you? And then from there, I was sort of allowed to do whatever I wanted. Oh and I would improvise with the audience. And it became this really wonderful, really funny. They loved it. It was like they would humiliated and then like somebody would come in late and I would like go right to them and I'd be like oh where are you from and they'd be like oh I'm I'm from the Midwest and I'd be like oh I'm from Italy but I got here on time you know like things like that really like and then and 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 it was always very funny and 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 people loved it one time um I was going down an aisle shaking hands with people and I noticed like a few people down uh a woman waving her hands no to me as in, don't come over here. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I'm coming to you. You asked for it. Yeah. And what I realized now was that she wasn't talking about herself. She was talking about the person before her. Because I get to this woman and I say, hello, what is your name? And she goes, Lily. And <laughs> she had, you know, the a, machine, a trach or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. she had like a speaking box. <laughs> No. I mean, it's not funny <laughs> that she had that. Right, it's just, it, she was asking for it, and then you asked for it, and then you asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, like, perfectly happy to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, yeah. she, knew, she knew. She could tell what was right. coming. She right. knew it was coming. <laughs> she knew she was going to have to talk, and it was her friend who was trying to, like, help save you, it. Help a sister out. But, like, that moment, Lillian, everyone in the audience was like, you know, everyone's sphincter went. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> That's a wrap on episode three. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow at, at Will Radio and at Jenna Ushkowitz to stay updated with all the latest. I also want to hear your favorite fail from each one of my episodes. So go to my Twitter page to cast your vote now, and the winners will be featured in the final episode we're calling the Epic Fail Awards, chosen by you, the listeners. Next week on Epic Fail. What is the worst song you could possibly sing in an audition? Happy birthday. No, I sang Bohemian Rhapsody. No! Thanks again to our partner, Spoke, Sirius XM's new app that allows you to listen to podcasts, radio programs, and documentaries curated for you. Go to hearspoke.com slash at will now.